Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Ever, anybody been stuck? You know, down here in the south, though, um, uh, as soon as we had a little bit of snow in the winter, all the, the young guys are out in their four-wheel drives because they finally have a chance to get out there and play with them, right? You know, most of the places where you live and I live here, you know, we have paved roads. We don't really need it as much. Thank God out in Nebraska, there's a farmhouse every half a mile or so, and you find somebody with a tractor, <laughs> it could pull you out. But uh, yeah, I'm talking about being stuck, going nowhere. It's kind of like those um, uh, exercise bikes in the gym, you know, the stationary bikes, right? Think about it. Think about it. Those things are designed for you to sit on and expend time and energy and go absolutely nowhere. You know, in the real world, that wouldn't make any sense, would it? <laughs> Designed to take you nowhere. But, you know, they call them, they call them uh, spin classes, right? You want to join our spin class? What are you going to do? We're going to sit on this bike and we're going to pedal and it's going to spin. And we're going to go nowhere. I've heard of relationships like that, you know? The guy and the girl have been kind of dating for a while. And she's ready for the ring. She's ready for commitment. She doesn't want to go back home for Christmas again this year without a ring. You know what I'm saying? But the guy's dragging his feet, right? <laughs> he's, he's not made that move. The relationship is stalled. It's going nowhere. Our Christian life is not supposed to be like that. Our Christian life is supposed to be a life of progression, moving forward. We're not supposed to be stuck in a rut. But, you know, for some people, not you, I pray, <laughs> we all experience it to a degree. That's why I'm preaching on it. For some people, you, you end up, you go through the motions, but are you making real forward progress or are you spinning? Are there areas of your life where you want, you need some traction? We can go through all the motions. We're full of activity, but are we making progress in the kingdom? Are we growing up into Jesus? Life is supposed to be, in, in Christ, a forward progression. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 with me. See, Paul is talking here, and he's saying the reason that the, he's been given, that God gave the apostles, prophets, and evangelists, and shepherds, and teachers to the church was for this purpose. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until what? until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's a big word there, a big phrase, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, what I see there is progress. I see progression. I see growing up into Christ. I see becoming more and more like Christ. Amen? In the Living Bible, it says it like this. That, that all of this will happen until we finally all believe alike about our salvation and about our Savior, God's Son, and listen, and all become full grown in the Lord. Full grown in the Lord. Yes, to the point of being filled up with Christ. He wants us to become full. That is your destiny, to become full grown in the Lord. You know, every parent watches their children to see how they're developing, right? We were, we were eating... Um, 
uh, lunch with a couple yesterday, and they had a little girl who was just learning how to pick, you know, the little yogurt melts? You guys will learn about those. <laughs> She's learning how to pick up those yogurt melts to get them into her mouth. You know, she's just working on that mechanical part and, and then being able to roll it around her mouth and her tongue and control where it's at, you know. And I was remembering how we were watching Abigail, especially Abigail Benjamin, just whatever, because he was number two. But we were watching Abigail and we were we were reading everything and we were like learning how every little thing. I mean, you don't realize that you take it for granted, but they had to learn that. You know, these little kids are learning these motor skills and, and there's, there, you want to see a progression, you know? Now, Abigail at one point couldn't pick up the, the, the yogurt melt and put it in her mouth. But I remember not too long ago when she had a dream that she could ride a two-wheeler. And so she told me, Daddy, I want to ride a two-wheeler. So we took him off and I worked with her. And, you know, you, you, you hold it and you let her go. <laughs> and you hope she doesn't wreck so hard that uh, she's going to give up, right? But she was determined and she learned how to ride that thing. Now she does it without thinking. Why? Because there's progression in her life, right? Well, God wants the same thing for us. He wants us to be growing up into Christ. We should be growing every day. All of our lives will be a life of progression. Amen? That's what he has in store for us. See, look at the, well, I'm not, I don't have it on the screen, but the same verse there in Ephesians 4.13 in the contemporary English version. Listen to it. This will continue until we are united by our faith and by our understanding of the Son of God. Then we will be mature just as Christ is. And then it says, and we will be completely like him. There's a neat thought, isn't it? We'll be like Christ. We'll be completely like Jesus Christ. I just got a question. Um, I want to take a little poll here. Is there anybody here in our fellowship who is already completely like Christ in every way? Just raise your hand. I want to see how many of us have attained. <laughs> anybody here who can love like he loves, who can forgive like he forgives, who's lived a sinless life like he's lived a sinless life? Anybody? Well, let me see your hand. No? No. Anybody committed to God like he was? Anybody able to empty yourself and lay down your life like he could? Anybody walk on water lately? <laughs> hey, he is the example. You might think that's crazy. You know, oh man, he was God. We can't be like, well, he is the example. The, the goal is for us to grow up to be like him. He came to show us how you could do it. And, and from God's perspective, from heaven's perspective, if he can do it, you can do it. So let's keep growing, huh? Let's keep pushing on every day. Amen. Because we've got, oh man, you get excited thinking about that. I mean, look, can you love like him? Can you, can you bring the kingdom of God to a situation like him? That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. It gets me excited thinking about it. Jesus is our example. Go to 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says it again in a different way. It says that we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. We are being transformed into the same image. What image? To God, into the image of Jesus. We're being transformed. We're being made to look like him. It's God's intention that we grow up into Christ in every way. Amen? So Christianity is supposed to be about progress. But so many are dealing with the same habits, 
same attitudes, same hurts, same unforgiveness for decades. That shouldn't be, should it? The same hurdles that, you know, were in your life when you first came to Jesus and it's been some time, they shouldn't be there. Those same limitations that maybe somebody significant in your life planted in your mind and in your heart years ago when you were growing up and you're still dealing with them, you've never been able to kick beyond them. That's not God's plan. God's plan is for us to keep growing and leave those things behind. There's progression in the kingdom of God, amen? If you're still living there at that point years ago, 10, 20, 30 years ago, that's not God's plan for you. He wants you to be moving on. There's a growing in God. Listen, there's a healing in God. You don't have to carry hurts for decades. You, you really don't have to heal. You move beyond where you are. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you have to stay the same. In fact, in the Bible, what you see is what? Change, growth, transformation, new life, new creation, amen? Coming into the kingdom, living a new life in the new kingdom. Let's keep growing, let's keep going. There's growing and there's healing in God. Look at Philippians chapter three. You know these verses. This is a, you know, pressing on to take hold. You know these verses. These are some of the most quoted verses in the Bible. What's it say? Brothers, I don't consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. I press forward. I'm straining for something. I am pushing. I am making forward progress. I'm not backing off. I'm going after it. I want to take hold of everything for which Jesus has taken hold of me. But there's a pressing. There's a, a aggression. Need to make you a little bit more aggressive, maybe, against the things that are holding you back from what God has for you. Aggression's a good thing in the right context. Amen. Straining forward, straining forth shows some effort, doesn't it? I'm straining, I'm moving, I'm growing. I'm not going to stay the same. It shows, you know what it shows? It shows intention, intention. Think about that. It's not, it doesn't just happen because you suck air. <laughs> it happens because you see this word and you go after it. You're intentional about it. Amen. Let's be intentional about, intentionable. Is that a word? Intentional. <laughs> I liked intentionable. That was good. <laughs> Let's be what did I just say? Intentionable. Intentionable. Let's be intentional. <laughs> Let's be intentional about our, about our, yeah, there you go. Let's just go on. Okay. In other words, you're moving forward. You're growing up. Okay. You know what it means to, you know what it means to be moving forward? You know, you're going on with God. You've decided that your past is not going to dictate where you're going. Okay. But what it really means is this, the scenery in your windshield is changing. You get what I'm saying? You're not just there looking at the same old tree because you're stuck in the mud. You're looking at that same scenery for all your life. You're moving forward. Scenery's changing. You're coming over the hill and you're seeing a new uh, a skyscape, you know, a landscape. Or you're coming around a bend and there's, there's a mountain or there's scenery. And there's things changing in your life as you go on and you make progression. Amen? And that means the things in the past, those things that once limited you, that once defined your world, they're in the rearview mirror and they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller until you go around a bend or crest that hill and you look and they're not even back there anymore because they don't own you. Don't let those things hold you back. 
put that car in gear, get on the, on the concrete <laughs> and get moving. Amen. Don't spin. We need to be honest with ourselves about where we are because it's our dishonesty that makes us think we're moving forward when we're stuck. We want to be honest. If Paul could let go of his past, so can you. I know, I know everybody's had experiences, some good, some bad, some great, some horrible, right? But I don't think anybody here has ever, you know, went out and tried to attack Christians and put them in jail just because they were Christians. I don't think anybody's here tried to stone somebody to death just because they didn't like what they were preaching. Hope nobody here starts wanting to stone somebody to death just because they don't like what they're preaching. <laughs> It's not a good, if you've not done that yet, it's not a good day to start, amen? <laughs> but you need traction. Here, the good news is the same energy that you spend sitting on that little bicycle, you know, spinning in the gym is the same energy that will propel you down the road if you would just get on a real bike and go down the road. That same fuel that you're burning sitting in the car stuck in the rut is the same energy that will drive you 60 miles an hour down the highway going somewhere if you could just get out of the rut. See, because you have in Jesus what you need to live a successful life. You have everything you need when you came into Jesus to, to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. He's given you this engine of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in your life that will drive you down the road. But we've got to be really honest about where we are. We don't want to be sitting here pretending like we're somewhere where we're not. There's a phrase, and you guys have heard this phrase. Um, it's uh, the phrase, where the rubber meets the road. Anybody know where that came from? Yes. <laughs> How did you know that? I found that out on the internet. <laughs> that was actually a Firestone ad, and they're actually credited with, uh, with the, the, the phrase. They said, um, I wrote it down here, the name that's known is Firestone, where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> <laughs> but what is that point where the rubber meets the road? It's, the, it's actually the, the point, the single point where your efforts and ideas are put to the test. It's the point at which the theories, you know, something that exists as a theory actually for the first time gets meaningfully challenged, okay? Not challenged up here, but challenged in real life confrontation, real life trial. In other words, as long as it's on, as it's on paper, it's only a theory, but where the rubber meets the road is where we find out if your ideas are true or not true. We find out if they succeed or fail. It's where the rubber meets the road. It's where we find out where what you say, is it true or not true? We can all talk a good game, but how we live our lives is where the rubber meets the road. That's where we see if what we're saying we believe is true or not, where the rubber meets the road. The book of James is a book that deals with that point, that point where the rubber meets the road. It's a book about... Um, doing your faith. Get it? It's where we see if it's true faith or not, when we can do it. See, we can talk theory all day long, but the book of James demands action. It does. It's a book of action. It demands progression. It's the point, the book of James is the place where we discover if our theories about God, our theories about God are true or not. Our theories about where we are with God or where we are spiritually, we discover in the book of James if they're true or not. So in case you haven't figured, this is an introduction to the book of James. 
And I love the book of James. I've been wanting to get into it for some time, but I've been have, just waiting to see where I could present it in a way that, that is, is a, you know, a way that we can take it and run with it and do something with. The book of James challenges us. It's the place where the rubber meets the road. There's other theory. There is some, you know, there's some theology in James. There's lots of good stuff. But James, have you ever noticed? It's a very well-quoted book. There are so many verses that we just quote out of James. And, and why? Because they, they show us little insights to where we are in our life. We were measuring up to where we say we are. Go ahead and put up, do you guys have the picture of that car? Put that car up. Do you like that? I just put that up because I feel good just looking at that. <laughs> David, I did this for you. This, you, you, you had this, didn't you? Yeah, it's 1972. Uh, I know, let's just all look at the car for a minute. <laughs> Well, I was kind of thinking the same thing. We could put the little EA on the bumper if we have to. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Yep. I did that for you, David, but I also did it for Rinkim because I thought if I would preach about it later on when we were talking about it, it carry more weight. <laughs> you know, I, I went, when I first met Rinkim, I did have a Camaro that was made in the same year she was born. I've never had the Camaro that was made in the year that I was born. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I need it. But anyway, it's beautiful. But, you know, you could take that car right there. You could go buy one. You can restore it. You could paint it like that. You can drop you a big block in there and bolt on a supercharger. You can build that motor till you have a thousand horsepower. But if you want that thing to go down the road, you're going to have to also work on the suspension and the tires because you need to be able to make that thing hook up to the pavement. You know what I'm saying? The phrase is you got to get that horsepower, get the power to the pavement. Otherwise, what happens? You put a big motor in there and you don't have the ability to get traction. It'll sit there and just burn and make smoke and squeal. And you'll never get to realize the full potential of that horsepower under the hood. All right. But I just like the car. So I want to say that. <laughs> But you need to be able to connect. See, the book of James is about connecting your faith to your actions so that you can move forward with God. The book of James. One of the many quoted verses in James is uh, got to be this one, James 1.22. Look at this one with me. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word not hearers only. Isn't it interesting that the one who hears and doesn't do is self-deceived? You're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself into thinking you're making more progress than you really are. You're deceiving yourself into thinking you're farther along than you're not. Just because you know all the verses doesn't mean you're living them out. Just because you have the nice paint job and a nice sounding engine doesn't mean you're moving down the road. You know what I'm saying? We want progression in our lives. Burnouts are fun, man, with all the smoke and activity, but they don't win races. We've got a race to run. We need to win it. We need results. Amen? We need to be honest about where we are. Do you think you become, this is a question, do you think you become a spiritual giant by spending hours and hours of fasting and prayer? Is that how you do it? It's good to fast and pray. You need to spend time in the word, fasting and praying. But do you know how you become spiritual? You hear the word and you do it. 
That's how you grow spiritually. The most spiritual person among us is the person who can take this word and incorporate it into their lives and do it and live it out. Now, you might have to spend time fasting and praying till you get to that point, but that's ultimately the, the, the definition. Spiritual people hear the word and do the word. Amen? Here's a profound truth. Get ready to write this down. Put that up on the screen. If you are not doing the word, then you are not a doer of the word. I know it's kind of obvious, but it's one of those things, you know, hmm, if you're not doing the word, then you're not a doer of the word. Yeah, but I am. It's just that, no, if you're not doing the word, then you're not doing the word. Yeah, but you know, it's just because of my circumstances. I can't do that. You Okay, if you're not doing the word, you're not a doer of the word, right? Sorry, I'm not trying to be so negative or anything. It's just a, it's just a, it's a checkpoint. Am I doing the word? We need to be honest with ourselves. Am I doing the word? Uh, James goes on in the next chapter to say another very well-quoted verse, James 2.20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Faith apart from works is useless. It's kind of like having a microphone with no PA system to run it through. Useless. It's a prop. It's kind of like having one of those new TVs with no remote control. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how do I program this thing without a remote control? It's kind of like having a flashlight with no batteries, a cell phone with no cell service, a gun with no bullets. So you want to throw it at somebody. <laughs> I heard like in the original, or the old black and white Superman, um, Clark Kent was there, he's Superman, and they shoot the gun at him, and he stands there, and the bullets bounce off his chest, and then somebody throws the gun at him, and he ducks. <laughs> This is a little funny, isn't it? <laughs> it's like having a gun with no bullets. It's like going to Chick-fil-A and getting a large sweet tea and they don't give you a straw. <laughs> you know, faith without works is useless. What are you going to do with this? It's like having French fries with no salt. <laughs> I can't eat those. No, but faith without works is useless. And none of this is to oppose what what Paul was saying about grace and being saved. Look at uh, Galatians 2.16 with me. It says that we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed, we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Jesus Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law will no one be justified. Paul is specifically talking about works of the law here. He's not talking about actions that correspond with our faith. He's talking about works of the law. But he's saying that we don't earn salvation. We don't earn right standing by works of the law. And by extension, we could even go so far as to say, you don't earn salvation by keeping anybody's rules. That's not how you get it. Salvation is something that we receive by faith. It's the provided by the grace of God, we receive it from him. Amen? That's how we receive salvation. But the goal of the faith of God is to get you connected to God. The goal of that faith is to get you connected, growing into the image of Jesus and producing fruit in your life. That's what he has for you. He wants us to take this. See, he didn't, 
he didn't take his word. He didn't take his spirit. And he didn't put all this in our hearts just to frustrate us because we can't get it out or change our life or express it. He wants you to be able to take that thing he deposited inside of you, that life of God, and be able to bring it and express it in this world the same way that Jesus did. Jesus went around doing good. Be useful, be helpful, healing all who are under the power of the devil. Anywhere he saw the devil's work, Jesus reversed it. It's what he has for you. It's what he wants for you to do. Amen? We, we, we can do it. If he wants us to, we can do it. In the last decade or so, we've been, the church world has been pushing the grace. I say it with quotation marks. They've been pushing grace so far that anything looks like any kind of effort, they say, is works. And uh, even a sermon like this, they might say, well, that's works salvation. No, it's not works salvation. It's about stepping into what God has for us. You see, I get to live this life? Yeah. I get to carry the life of God and take it to a lost and dying world? Yeah. I get to lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Yes. <laughs> that's exciting. I like it. Genuine faith seeks to express itself. Genuine faith will seek to express itself through your thoughts, your actions, your attitudes, and your words. If you're really in faith, that's going to be going on inside of you. Have you ever had a relationship with somebody that just changed your life? Anybody married knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> for better or for worse, you don't get married without it changing your life. You know, maybe, you know, people look back and they think about, um, you know, a coach or a teacher or some, somebody significant in their life, you know, for better or for worse, you know, they've, they've either invested in them and left a good deposit or maybe they hurt them. You know, people have been abused by people in authority, good or bad. There, you, 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 you people come in and out of your life and they leave their mark. But, you know, we're talking about having a relationship with God, the creator of the universe. How are we going to enter into a real relationship with him and that not affect your life? How will a real relationship with God, the creator of the universe, leave you unchanged? It doesn't. It leaves its mark on your life. It changes you on the inside. It sets you up to where you can grow up into Christ. That's why James comes to this conclusion that faith without works is dead. James 2.26, he says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. In the contemporary English version, it says it like this, Anyone who doesn't breathe is dead. <laughs> this is pretty obvious, isn't it? <laughs> But you have to remember in the Greek language and also in the Hebrew language, the word for spirit and the word for wind and the word for breath is the same word. So you can literally translate this, anyone who doesn't breathe is dead. And faith that doesn't do anything is just as dead. Faith that doesn't do anything is just as dead. Philip's translation brings it out like this. Yes, faith without action is as dead as a body without a soul. <laughs> What do you mean when you call somebody soulless? You're cold on the inside. They're dead. No heart. A living heart donor. <laughs> soulless. The Message Bible says, the very moment you separate the body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separate faith and works and you get the same thing. 
a corpse. You get a form of, of religion, but no power. The Bible talks about that somewhere, doesn't it? It talks about it in the end times. There'll come a time where we see people who have a form of godliness, but they've denied the power. It says stay away from those people. The last thing we want to do is stand before God and say, hey, I have a form, <laughs> but we've never had that connection with him. We're not moving. The New Life Version says this, the body is dead when there is no spirit in it. It's the same with faith. Faith is dead when nothing is done. Why? Because faith is always seeking to express itself through your actions, through your attitudes, through your words, even through your thoughts. Faith is always working. Amen? And finally, the Worldwide English Translation. Again, this is on that Bible Gateway site. That's an awesome site. You guys need to check it out. But it's fun looking at the translations because it just gives you different perspective. But I have no idea what the Worldwide English Translation is. But listen to how it reads. A body is dead if it does not breathe. In the same way, believing is dead if it does not do anything good. Believing is dead if it doesn't do anything good. See, because you live out of your heart. Remember, um, it's been a month or two ago now, we spoke on uh, guarding your heart. Proverbs 4.23, above everything, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flows the springs of life, the issues of life. The limitations of your life are not out here. They're in your heart. What you believe in your heart is what is expressed in your life. The funny thing is, you know, you can go and buy a tube of toothpaste at the grocery store and it says Crest or whatever on there, but you don't really know for sure what's in there until you open up the lid and squeeze it, right? You don't really know what's in your heart or in a person's heart until you see what's in their heart coming out in their lives. To get a little pressure on you, get a little squeeze, and then we all find out <laughs> what's in your heart. Because we can all wear a, a, a label, we can all say we're this or that or the other, but when we're under pressure and we see what comes out of our mouth and out of our heart and into our lives, that's what's truly in our heart. You live out of your heart. So if you have true faith in your heart, it does come out. It expresses itself in your words and your thoughts and your actions. And if it doesn't do that, what you have is... a. Uh, a nice way of saying, I believe in God, but you don't have that life that he came to give. And this is not meant to be in any way, you know, a negative thing. This is exciting because that means if we are honest with ourselves that I'm not where I need to be in this area, God, help me, change me by your grace, make me what I need to be. We can grow. But if we live in denial, we'll never grow into it. Sometimes, you know, the truth comes across like a smack, you know, it's like, my gosh, I've been living like this. I've shared it with you guys. It's been I don't know, nine years ago now, but I, I felt God speak to me so strongly. I was um, kind of complaining to him because I didn't feel like I was making traction in my life. I wasn't making the progress I needed to. I was still single. I never met that person yet. And I uh, was kind of, you know, accusing him, to be honest with you. And, and he spoke to me so clearly. He said, the problem is you're filled with fear and unbelief. And I saw, it came like a smack, but I received it. And when I received it, I asked him to help me. And it has been a progression ever since. And it's been good. It's been good. And so that's what we need. We need to keep growing. We need to keep moving, moving forward in God. Amen. And in closing, I want to take you to Matthew chapter seven. Now, the book of James, James was the... Um, James was the half-brother of Jesus. You know that uh, when Jesus went back to his hometown in Nazareth, 
uh, and they didn't receive him. They said, who is this guy? Isn't this Joseph, the carpenter's son? Aren't his brothers and sisters here with us and his mother? So, so Jesus had other brothers and sisters um, after, you know, after the virgin birth. Joseph and Mary had m- more children, okay? So uh, there's several Jameses in the Bible that you can uh, uh, trace them through and know, you know, like, for instance, the Apostle James he was actually martyred very early in the book of Acts. So it's very unlikely that he was the author of this book. So when we eliminate all the ones that couldn't be the author, we end up uh, with uh, James, the Lord's brother, the author of the book. He was also the leader of the church in Jerusalem. It's pretty commonly believed that. And so you're going to see a lot in the book of James. You're going to see a lot of things that are also in the Gospels. And, you know, I was thinking about that. It's, it's interesting to me when you find things that are so parallel. Shouldn't surprise you because it's the word of God and the word of God is all parallel and all in agreement. But it's neat when you find exact, exact phrases and things because I'm thinking, you know, James probably spending some time with Jesus growing up. And by the way, it, it, it appears from reading the scripture that none of his brothers believed on him until after the resurrection. And the Bible does go on to say that Jesus actually came and appeared to James to James and the other. So he made a resurrection appearance to, to James. But uh, it doesn't appear that they believed on him until afterwards. But could you imagine growing up when your older brother is Jesus? It's like, man, I can't do anything right. <laughs> He's always on. It's like, mom loves you best because you're perfect. <laughs> man, I don't know. That'd be a tough one, <laughs> being Jesus's brother when in this family. But, you know, he probably heard a lot of these things. I'm going to guess that, you know, as Jesus was growing, you know, at 12 years old, he's in the temple and he's having discussions. I'm thinking he, James was probably listening in. What a what an opportunity to hear as Jesus was learning these things and teaching his brothers and sisters and his family these things, possibly even growing up. So you see a lot of uh, James in the Gospels. So go with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. This is the words of Jesus. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. It's not everyone who says, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. See, your confession is everything when you come into the kingdom. You confess Jesus is Lord. And you're saved, you're translated, you're taken from the kingdom of Satan, you're put into God's kingdom. You're a new creation. You're recreated, you're made in the image of God. Your spirit is made perfect and whole and complete in him, lacking nothing. But when you stand before him on that day, according to this verse, your confession doesn't mean very much. It's what your actions were. It's the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, verse 22 says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. According to this, your confession doesn't mean nearly as much as your actions, does it? But see, you confess unto salvation. And that salvation comes in, you know, like I'm saying, if, if you find yourself spinning in an area of life, confess it. That is the key to receiving 
the life of God to overcome it. Denying it keeps you stuck in a rut. Go on to verse 24. Jesus says then, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who's built his house on the rock. And you know this, the wise man built his house upon the rock, right? (laughs) You hear these over and over and over and over and you kind of get used to them. You don't want to get used to something like this. Listen to the words. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, that's what makes the wise man the wise man, okay? He's not wise because he built his house on the rock. He's wise because he heard God's word and did them. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. He's not foolish because he built his house on the sand. He's foolish because he heard the words of God and did not put them into practice. That's what makes him a foolish man. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. It's interesting to me that they both had occasion to hear the word and the storms came to both houses. Going through a storm doesn't mean that you've somehow missed God. Storms come. The question is, are you gonna be able to withstand the storm? And the wise builder who is a hearer and a doer of the word of God is the one who can withstand the storm. Like I said, this is not meant to be a a hard sermon, but I do think it's an appropriate introduction to the book of James (laughs) because the book of James keeps you real. You got to look at this and say, am I doing that? And if I'm not, why? God help me to do that, you know? My call to action today would not be to say a prayer with you or, or come to the altar or anything, but just take some time this week and just examine your life before God. You know, it's, it's not a wrong thing to examine your life. God, uh, Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, to examine yourselves and see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, he says, or do you do not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? See, you can examine yourself and say, wow, praise the Lord. (laughs) I'm in the faith. You don't have to fail every test. I'm not saying we have to fail the test. But if there's an area in your life that you're not where you, when you you read this book and you see what it says and you're not where you you think you could be, just be honest with God. Say, "I'm I'm not where I think I could be. I think I'm coming up short in this area change me. I receive it by faith. I receive it by grace. Let your grace work in me. I have faith. I have trust in you. I confess you in this area. Lord, I confess my shortcomings, but I know you can make up the difference. You can take me to that place where I am actually being a doer of what I see to be true. It just turns you right back into the grace of God. But if we live in denial and we just pretend like everything's okay, we don't get that grace. That, that, that grace to move us beyond. And we need to move on. God has great, exciting things for us. We're all together here at this point, you know, in this church, but what's, what's 10 years going to bring, 20 years? Where are you going to be spiritually in your Christianity in, in five years, 10 years, 20 years? What kind of exciting things are you going to be doing? You know, I want, I want your book to be on my bookshelf next to Smith Wigglesworth and John Lake and, and uh, Lester Summerall. You know what I'm saying? I, I want your book to be right there next to it of all the things that God did in your life. But we've got to get some traction. We've got to be real. We don't want to spin because spinning just makes excuses and keeps us, keeps us out of uh, 
what God has for us. We've, we've got to go forward. Amen? Amen? Let's do it. Will you do it? Will you do it? And I expect to hear more and more and more testimonies. Here's what I want you to do. Here's your assignment. When God answers your prayers this week, and when you see miracles and you see God working in your life, remember it. Write it down, because next week I'm going to ask for testimonies, and I want to hear some. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Joseph, would you close us in prayer? I say that as you're taking a drink of your coffee. <laughs> close us Father God, we just come to you and we thank you for just everything that you're doing at Emmanuel right now. We ask you to be with us as we go about our business this week. We ask you to go before us. And Father God, I, I ask you to dispatch angels to every person that's in this room. The Lord guide us this week. I ask that you put a hedge of protection around each person this week. I ask also for the divine appointments for each one of us in this room to give your love away. Father, give us an opportunity to share your love with others. Give us an opportunity to minister to those in need. And we thank you so much. We thank you for Pastor BJ. We thank you for Emmanuel. And Father God, we love you and we praise you. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.